Welcome to the To Tell Us Die podcast. My name is Jenny Donnelly, and today I have such a treat for you. My great friend, my new great friend, Lisa White, is sitting here with me, and I'm so happy. Lisa, we have been on a still journey together, these listeners, and I hope that you all are listening to these episodes because they've been so wonderful. People are sharing their very deep and vulnerable stories, and I cannot think of a better person to be with today than you because you have a story of victory. You have a story of loss. You have a story of endless tears. And you also have a story of great magnitude in the kingdom of what God's doing in your life. So what I want to do is I want you to share with us today, share with me today, your story, which sounds like big giant questions. So let's narrow that down a little bit. (laughs) Will you share with me um, your background, your spiritual background? And then we're going to get to kind of the crescendo of your story here in a minute. But were you raised in the church? What's your, what's your background? Yeah. So I was uh, raised in church in a Christian family my entire life in a non-denominational church. I mentioned that for a reason. And when I was probably in my late twenties, uh, I came to a four square church. And in some ways I almost consider that a second point to when I came to understand the Lord in a different way, because at that time, when I first came to East Hill, I didn't know anything about hearing the voice of God. Okay. Really. I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. Believe it or not, I actually think this is kind of funny now, but I thought he was some kind of mist. <laughs> yes, yes, that's pretty common. Um, so coming to East Hill really was transformative for me because it took me on a journey of always feeling like I had a deep connection with the Lord. There was just something special I'd always had growing up, but I didn't know how to really reach him. It always felt like there was a bit of a a wall because it was just like God, the father way up in the sky, if you will. Yet you had a longing in your heart and you Mm -hmm. had this desire and this hunger to be closer. You just didn't know how. And so then you go to East Hill Mm -hmm. and it's like you got plugged in to God's heart. I did. And I learned far more what it meant to hear his voice. It actually probably a story for another time, but it was in the midst of a very difficult year for me where I had just lost my job and had just started learning more about the things of the spirit and the prophetic, et cetera. And I remember this one particular day when I learned what it meant to really hear his voice. Just all of a sudden he, he spoke to me in this beautiful moment. And it was almost like, you know, radio station, you know, if it's just like one click off, so you can mm-hmm. kind of hear the noise. And then all of a sudden you move, you're like, Oh, crystal clear. That's what it was like for me. That's fantastic. And I mentioned that because that is really probably is the hallmark of a transformative journey between me and the Lord and yeah. a deep level of intimacy that I had never experienced before. Well, this is going to become really important for the rest of your story, mm-hmm. because when we can hear God's voice, He can walk us through good times and really tough times. Mm -hmm. You are a perfect example of when I talk about sometimes your resting ground is first your battleground. Would you fast forward and tell us what has been your battleground over the last year of your life? Yes. So the main battleground I have been fighting um, has been through a cancer diagnosis. So last I'd say probably last March or April, I'd started having a little bit of pelvic pain and didn't really know what that was related to. And then in May, the pain got so bad, I had to go in and see my OBGYN. 
just to be really frank. And she wanted to run some tests. And I would say that it literally was a whirlwind because I went from having some testing done on June 3rd. Okay. The next Monday, getting a diagnosis of endometrial cancer. Wow. Getting surgery major hysterectomy Mm. the next week. And then two weeks after that, getting a port in and then starting chemo. And it happened so fast that I was being told, look, it's aggressive. You're going to basically lose your ability to have kids. You're going to start chemo. You're going to lose your hair. And this is the journey you're going to be on for the next six months. And what started out to be a stage three is what they had told me changed after chemo to a stage four. So this went from, I'm just a woman loving Jesus, living my life, having a career to, I suddenly have cancer. I suddenly am not going to be able to have children because I'm getting a hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. Like, like this right now, I'm, I'm trying to grab context of this and I don't have any context because I haven't lived this story, but I'm thinking what in the world, this is so intense so obviously the listeners don't know much about you yeah. as, as yet. They will know yes. more by the end of this, but you've never been married and you've never had children. And so this desire to have children, I mean, any woman listening, when they heard you say, and you're not gonna be able to have kids, it's like the, the, your heart wants to stop yeah. right there. It's like, put on the brakes, like, wait a minute, I'm not gonna be able to have children. And so many women want to have children because it's just this innate desire and it's part of our makeup. Can you rewind back to hearing God's voice? Really your story Mm -hmm. is about how the voice of God took you by the hand. He took you by the hand through his voice and walked you through a wilderness, a battle. And now I can't wait for people to hear where you're at right now because it's just so tremendously miraculous. But let's go a year back, right? From your diagnosis, from you even knowing that you had cancer. Let's go a year, rewind and tell us about you and the Lord in a moment that you were journaling together that you told me about. I think that this is really profound. Yeah. So um, before I do, one of the things I just want to touch on a little bit is what you said a second ago about, about the loss. So in addition to what you said um, for listeners, um, I'm still a virgin. So I'm 49. Actually, I'll be 50 tomorrow. It's incredible. And that has just been by the grace of God. Amazing. And so my heart and my desire to bear children biologically has been with me for years. But because I had chosen abstinence Mm -hmm. as part of that, it meant that for me and the journey I felt like God had called me to, it was that I wanted to wait to have kids, obviously, until I was married because I didn't want to be a single parent. And so I think that waiting for that dream to come true in my life and hearing how God was speaking to me in that, in one moment, um, and I'll get to what you were talking about. um, It was asking the Lord, you know, God, I, I want to be a mom. What does that look like? And he said to me, Lisa, I've not called you to be a mother to one. I've called you to be a mother to many. And Mm. I remember in that moment, you know, if you have moments where you hear God and you feel the pain Mm -hmm. of what you know that sacrifice means. So you knew something. I knew something 
far in advance. That was probably about a year and a half, maybe longer than that. And it was this moment of recognizing the pain that I had to surrender to God, a dream that I had always had. And yet also in that moment, his promises to me in who he had called me to be. And my peace in that moment came from knowing that my heart's desire has always been to see his kingdom come to pass, even if it meant giving up the dreams the way I saw them happening. And I mentioned that because it was, that moment was so important to hear him because that actually helped prepare me for the grief that I was going to experience with the same dream, but in a different way, him telling me that in a way that I never would have known that I needed to hear him in that moment in preparation for the journey that I'm on. So when you heard that doctor say, you're not going to be able to have children, did that moment come to your mind right then? Did it come minutes after? Did it come in the next 24 hours? Like when did the voice of God come bubble up in your spirit and the Lord comforted you with that conversation that you had already had so long ago? I think it was both in the moment of hearing it and yet still having to process a different and deeper level of grief, right? Because the RN basically handed me this piece of paper saying, okay, you need to sign this piece of paper that's going to say after the surgery, you're no longer going to be able to bear children. And I, in that moment, I lost it. Oh yeah. That was part of the loss because I knew, I remembered what God had told me the year prior but it's a different level of grief because yes. it's, it's the finality of it, right? Yeah. It's like, like, this is really happening. This is really happening. This isn't just a knowing. Mm-hmm. This is a final sign here. Mm-hmm. This is happening. And I couldn't do anything about it. But I would My also goodness. say in that same moment, there was this deep, deep peace. It's, it's what I call a both and experience, right? Where you mm-hmm. experience the emotions, which is super important yes. of the grief and the loss that, that I had experienced. But from a spiritual side of things, that's, that's the both. And yes. there was the peace because I knew what God had told me before I even know that knew that I would need that word. My word. So you had this extreme grief and extreme comfort all in the same moment. All in the same moment. So that brings me to, maybe we've already answered the question I never asked, which is can a person who's going through a tremendous loss, a tremendous trauma, a tremendous loss of a dream, can that person be in rest? Yep. Without all the feelings that we think rest looks like. You know, we still want to say, well, rest is feeling calm. It's feeling peaceful. It's feeling happy. But Mm -hmm. rest... The place of rest is when we are with Jesus and he is comforting us and he is our everything and he is who he needs to be for us in the moment that we're in. It is not necessarily limited to just this like oasis feeling yep. or this like, oh, I'm just so zenned out right now. <laughs> and you, Jenny, I actually want to address that because I think, you know, in, in our Christian world, there's our life as a believer, there's this misnomer that we somehow need to always... I'm using air quotes here mm-hmm. for listeners. Yes. Sounds spiritual That's or, right. well, God is good and, and he's faithful. And all those are very true, but it should never be at the expense of our authenticity in our relationship with God. So 
God doesn't mind my emotions. Mm-hmm. I right. get to be in this place. We get to be in this place with our relationship with the Lord, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I'm angry right now. That's right. I'm grieving beyond belief. I don't see a way out of here. I'm having a hard time seeing your goodness. I'm having a hard time seeing your goodness. Or I, for me specifically, having this life-threatening diagnosis over me. And yet, I tell you what, I experienced more peace in this season than I probably would say I've ever experienced in my life. And I wasn't trying to make it happen. Well, this is an exact example of the supernatural grace of God. So when I ask people, what's their definition of grace? A lot of people give me the answer to mercy. Mm. Oh, it's just, you know, God's goodness, even though I deserve something less. It's like, well, that's mercy. But grace, there's a supernatural empowerment. Jesus is grace. And so his presence comes and supplies us with what we need and how much we need of it. So if you could even imagine how much peace you'd be going through right now in this season, I bet you never thought years and years and years ago, if I went through something like this, I would be experiencing peace. You think, no, I'd lose my mind. I would, I, I would just panic, you know, but look, look at this. <laughs> yeah. You are here experiencing so much peace and so much love, lots of emotion, lots of questions, And yet you feel the presence of God like never before. That's what you just said. You're feeling this peace like never before. That is the supernatural grace of God. And we have to know that whatever we go through from here, because Lisa, you have a lot of years in front of you and whatever you go through, God is going to meet you there. He's going to meet me in my next hard thing. And he's going to meet me with as much grace, as much energy, as much creativity, as much life, as much peace, as much joy, as much problem solving, whatever I need, he's going to resource me with it. And he's going to resource you. So take us, let's go back into the story. So you went through this very intense, you know, back to back appointments, diagnosis, procedures, surgery, and then what happened? So I went through chemo, And that was from July through October. And so that was a pretty standard one that people who are fighting cancer get. So it is going through what I call chemo weeks. You basically have chemo one week, you're off for two weeks, and then you start the process all over again. So I had six rounds every three weeks of chemo, which is basically an all day thing. Okay. And that's a, it was a gradual process, not something that's very fun because, you know, of course, you go through the process. And that was another big loss for me was losing my hair. For those that don't know me, my hair was halfway down my back. I loved my hair. Wow. And it's so cute now, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) I tell you that all the time because I love it. For the listeners, I I went from having probably 18 inches down my back to this sporting this new silver, my natural color, salt and pepper look with this kind of got long enough now to spike it on top. It's actually adorable. I love it. But, it, you know, that was actually also part of the the journey. You know, it's, it, I think, having what felt like having my womanhood attacked, right? Because, you yes. know, I think that we yes. attach a lot of our femininity to our hair. Mm-hmm. I lost my hair. 
I lost most of my eyebrows. I lost my eyelashes. My goodness. Obviously I lost, you know, the ability to bear kids. And then for those of you that don't know, going through chemo, it's very exhausting. Mm. You kind of have so what you lost most your people, energy. you lose your energy, your fatigue that you experience, you know, throughout that. So you just are getting, you're getting hit from every angle mm-hmm. really. And I think that's so important that you're bringing up the femininity piece because that's, that brings a lot of emotional um, loss too. And, you know, just even we take advantage of the feeling of feeling pretty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel pretty today. Oh, I like my hair today. I mean, we take that for granted. I definitely take that for granted, you know? And so you've experienced some things that are just, they're, they're just very hard to wrap your mind around if you've not been in this place. Although I believe that most people listening can identify with loss can identify with losing something that you're not going to get that back. Now you're going to get something because God keeps his promises, but the thing that you thought it was going to be, that is gone. So talk to us about, I want to go back to the motherhood piece. Talk to us about what is that looking like? Because when I had you on word on Wednesday with me, when I looked at you, I was like, you're such a mother. Like, like all I see is mother written all over you because you are, you really are. But what is God, what is he doing and turning in you right now? And then we're going to go back into your story again. So we're kind of hopping in and out of, you know, um, this, the voice of God over your life and what he's saying to you right now. And then I want to go back to your story because I want everyone to hear what's been happening the last few months. Yeah. I think that as far as the, the motherhood piece, when that Lord, when the Lord spoke to me, that word that I mentioned a bit ago about, you know, not being a mother to one, but a mother to many, I started at that time having all these memories come back of the ways that I have been a mother to whether it's been small children, whom I love, whether it has been young women, young girls in their teenage years and being able to be a mentor to them. And frankly, just different situations when I've been on missions trips, overseas and kids that have been abused and hurt and things like that and being able just to literally pour into them. And I remember getting that word. I'm kind of stepping back a minute so that we can kind of see the journey is when he gave me that word, there were all these different situations that started popping up where I could pour into kids. Mm -hmm. I almost at some point just felt like I'm like this weird Pied Piper, which is kind of like a funny expression, but kids that would just literally just that I didn't even know would just throw themselves into my arms. Right. And I just got to, to love on them Aww. and kids that would just come up to me out of the blue, three, four year olds and just start talking to me. And I felt like that was at the beginning of this. And this was of course, before I was diagnosed with cancer, I could see the way that the Lord was meeting that need and the way that I got to bring out my mother's so heart sweet. and pour into kids. And so yeah, because you had a mother inside of you you had, you had this to offer the world. And so the, the pain of not being able to give what Mm -hmm. God has put in there, you know, it's like being plugged up. Right. And so the Lord, he is not somebody who just goes, Oh, well, and shrugs his shoulders Mm -hmm. and goes deal with it. Yeah. You know, maybe we were raised that way. Maybe that's how our parents told us to get through stuff, but God doesn't do that. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to allow that gift in you to be expressed and I'm going to allow it to gift you back Mm -hmm. the gift of motherhood recycling back to you. 
And here's the thing. I mean, we're being transparent here. My experience growing up was not ever having felt the nurturing love of a mother. And, you know, I love how God brings restoration in so many different areas that in the very area where the enemy tried to destroy, I could actually be able to give back, right? You know, we get to pour out where the enemy has tried to rob. And I even think of a most recent experience at, you know, one of the drenched events where I was able to do that, just love on a bunch of kids. And at one point, one that was in a lot of pain of just getting on my knees and just holding her. Oh, yes. And where I'm at now is I'm okay. The, the grief that I had in that loss is okay because I see how God is using it in a way that, yeah, is different than what I thought. Mm-hmm. And yet. And you have to grieve that too, right? You have, have to, grieve to grieve what that. I thought this was going to look like. Mm-hmm. Not only the actual loss, but the loss of what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And it really is having to surrender those dreams to God. But what's so neat is I look at where I'm at now and I'm at peace. I don't find myself now grieving the loss of that dream. I had to, don't get me wrong. The last year has very much been doing a lot of grieving. And yet now I see the Lord saying, Lisa, look, look at the way that you were able to pour into others in a way that, that you never expected. And that I wouldn't change. No. You know, would you say that you have more of an awareness or a fire or a pull to pour into people right now? I know you always have, mm-hmm. that's who you are. And you've been in communities, you know, Christian communities that really help us get in a situation where we can pour out, mm-hmm. but do you feel it's intensified? Yes. Uh, to your last question. I have always loved pouring into people and that has just been something that has been part of who I am for a long time. What I will say is that having gone through this cancer battle, it's almost like the doors have blown open into new Mm -hmm. areas that I never expected. And part of that has actually been with people who are fighting cancer. Interesting. And being able to to pour into them and come alongside them and encourage them. And the only way I can explain this, and this is literally almost an in-the-moment thing because I've only been discovering this the last couple of weeks. Okay. There has just been this flow between mm. me and the Holy Spirit that I haven't ever experienced in any other way. Wow. Because this experience in many ways has crushed me not in a bad way, but there there's been this crushing that I have been under. And you know, you and I actually talked about this. I'm finding it funny that I'm using that word right now, but there's just this explosion of life that's happening that I, I wouldn't change because I see what the Lord is doing through it. I remember asking God for new wine. I felt him put that prayer in my heart. You know, ask me for new wine, Jenny, and wine really representing just joy, the anointing, you know, just the life, mm-hmm. the life that's inside of us and how he wants it just to come, just bubble up inside of us where we are just like exploding with it, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yes, God, I want that. I want new wine, but I did not consider how wine is made. 
<laughs> and so I went through, ironically, the same month that you found out that you had cancer was the same month that we went through one of our greatest losses of our life. Oh, wow. And I just remember going, okay, I am being crushed. And the Lord had to remind me, remember the wine, remember the wine, remember the wine. And I thought, okay, well, if there's wine coming out of this and Lord, none of this is fun. This feels awful. This feels scary. This feels like I'm just falling off a cliff with no certainty with who knows when it's going to end. Am I going to crash? Am I going to land in a net? Am I going to slam on the pavement? What's going to happen? <laughs> you know, and I had to wait just like you have had to wait. And he said, oh, that's the fermentation process. And I was like, oh, another piece of winemaking that I forgot about. Yeah. And I actually want to go and research more about that because I realized I am going through this process to get wine, but I couldn't just have the wine. I couldn't just have it. He had to, he had to allow the enemy to sift me and the enemy sifted me. And when we read the word, we look, we see where God points this out. Mm-hmm. Where, the, where the Lord allows the enemy to sift us, right? Mm-hmm. And then who gets the last laugh? The Lord does. He does. But he's so good and he's so, so able. Um, I would have to agree with you, Lisa, just in an indirect way, because we haven't directly said it, but I'd have to agree with you that I wouldn't take back what happened to my family and I, if I had a choice to go back and say, okay, let's just erase that and write a different story than that loss, I would not surrender to that. Because that loss brought me to an even more genuine and real place with the Father. Mm -hmm. And more joy, more importantly, more joy with the Father. And so we do have to grab a hold of James and all the revelation that comes with the joy that comes through our trials and waiting. Let's go back to that word, waiting. You've had to wait for a di- another diagnosis. You've had to go through different treatments. Tell me about waiting. What has what <laughs> waiting been like for you? <laughs> oh, goodness sakes. <laughs> you know, I think that that is something that's been tough. I, I want to mention this. So... At the very beginning, when I was diagnosed with cancer, and that was back in June, one of the things that they had said to me is, okay, well, there's definitely, you know, cancer mass tumor that we see, you know, in your uterus area. Yes. There's also these spots that are in your lungs. We don't know what they are. We're not going to biopsy them because there's no reason for that at this point, but we're going to wait until after you're done with chemo. And if the spots have disappeared, it means they were cancerous. And if okay. they are still there, then, you know, something oh, else, something else. And I just remember my heart kind of sank a little bit because, you know, it's one thing to just have it in a specific area. Okay. You know, have it gone, That's right. get chemo preventative, you know, move on. And, you know, like I said, I, I have at different times of my life, I'm being healed of being in control. <laughs> Right. Lisa, Lisa likes to be in control. Yes, we are and human. I, I had to just go, okay, I, I'm not going to have an answer to that for six months or however long that was in that time frame. That's a while. That's a long it time. It is a while. And, you know, when 
November came. Is that about the right time frame? Yeah, because chemo was done in October and they did another CT scan. That's when I heard the news spots on your lungs had disappeared. And so, yeah, that means we're now changing this to a stage four. And mind you, this whole time, I've had a ton of people praying for me, you know, claiming, healings, all this stuff. And so there was partly the process of me waiting and having to let go of not knowing the answer to that. Then getting the answer to that, not really liking the answer to it. Right. (laughs) And then them having to run some other tests. And so then it was a whole different season of waiting in, of course, a shorter increment where they were looking at it and saying, okay, we actually think that what you have, because there was then not only the spots that had disappeared, but some new suspicious areas that they wanted to run more tests on. So I had to get a bone biopsy, a bone scan. A bone scan came first. And that was actually when I was at the lavish event. Interesting. And day one of the lavish event, I got a call from my oncologist saying, your updated diagnosis is we see metastatic bone cancer. My and goodness. I was a bit of a wreck that day yep. because it looked different. We'll go again to what yep. I was hoping, praying that it would look like, especially the stage four, because that is definitely more of a different story yeah, because that's right. in the natural, it's like how I would like to talk about it. You know, the doctors who are doing their job are saying it's not a matter of if, but when the cancer comes back and you know, ultimately that's what's going to kill you. So all of a sudden, believe it or not, that was actually the first wow. time I had to face my mortality in a different way because all through chemo, I wasn't really thinking about my mortality in the no. same way. And it really shook me. I bet. And so some of this waiting, when we talk about that, it's not only having to wait and trust in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And what I will say about this is see, this is why it's so, so important to learn how to hear the voice of God, because all the things that God spoke to me, January 1st, Mm -hmm. 2019, Mm -hmm. before I knew any of this was going on, the words other people would give to me, the things that he told me in the midst of that, like that was my lifeline. So really waiting And hearing God's voice go hand in hand, because there's no other way that we can make it through that place of hope and trust in him and his faithfulness if we don't have something to hang on to. That's right. So I think that that place of waiting and to be truthful, Jenny, that's what I'm going to have to walk out the rest of my life, because this place of waiting every single time I get a new scan, which will happen for the rest of my life, I'm going to have that place of waiting. And trusting and saying, God, this is your word. And this is what you promised me. There's, there's what the diet doctors diagnose and say in the natural, but we live off of the report of the Lord. That's right. There are so many scriptures on waiting mm-hmm. for people listening. This is really simple. You just go to Google, <laughs> good old Google. <laughs> and what does the Bible say about waiting or scriptures on waiting and tons pop up. They're just so encouraging. Usually I have to read one or two and I can just feel my spirit just find relief because it means that God hasn't forgotten about me. He's coming for me. Okay. So where are you right now in your medical journey? Where I'm at right now, I am happy to report that the PET CT scan that I had last Monday came back 
with no signs of cancer. That is incredible. And when I heard that, I was just, I was just hollering. Yeah. For joy. Me so too. Great. Me too. And it's actually wonderful timing because tomorrow is my birthday. That's February 25th. Oh my and gosh. And I'm turning 50. And of course, you know, 50, what does yes. it represent? The year of Jubilee. There you go. And that is, and the other thing I think is rather interesting, you know, we talk about five yep. is the number mm-hmm. for grace, right? So I'm turning 50. My birthday's on the 25th, you know, and I just think, Lord, you're so good. Well, to take it a step further. So five, oh, would be five times 10, right? And 10 is um, order, it's perfect order. And so it's like, God's like, and I just lined it all up and here we are mm-hmm. in perfect order in your life. This is so exciting. I'm yeah. just so thankful. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for encouraging people today. I've found encouragement just by hearing your story and by you sitting down with me at coffee and telling me your story. It was just, it was so inspiring to me. And I, I remember just thinking while you were telling me the story, what an incredible way that she is honoring and glorifying God. And this was before your last diagnosis. This is when you were in that waiting, like, what is it going to, you know, what are they going to say? But I just could sense from you a love that you possess that is from the father that cannot be, it can't come from another human. And I just sensed it was so deep in you and it just made me hunger after the Lord. It's what it did. That's what your life is doing. It's making people hunger after the Lord and want to lean in and want to chase him and want to be with him and want to know his goodness and want to be more vulnerable, more honest, more transparent so that they can have a deeper intimacy with him. So I thank you so much for being here. We are cheering you on and I can't wait to see what God does from here in your life. You are a warrior. Oh, thank you are you so amazing. Much. You're thank welcome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So you've been listening to the To Tell Us Die podcast. Please stay tuned by subscribing to all of our episodes. You can do that by subscribing to the podcast on your platform of choice. And also our emails are going out a couple a week and we want you to stay in touch with those because we're able to encourage you and also give you updates on what we're doing here at To Tell Us Die. So go to john1930.com and check out all those things I just mentioned and we'll We'll see you next episode.